the digital delight of jazz and what's more on WFDU HD2, TNAC. All right, we're back. Com as a radio, WFDU HD2 on a beautiful Sunday. Follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Chiefo will put it out about 1 o'clock. And we're joined on a very mild Sunday by Ryan Dunleavy, who's covering the Giants for the New York Post. He kind of upgraded himself a little, I think, since we talked to him last. Ryan, welcome back to the show, man. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, before we get into some of the NFL and the games, we'll get your take on some of the games coming forward. Uh, let's cut right to the chase and uh, talk about where your bread is buttered and where uh, my allegiance lies. Give me... Give me some of your thoughts on uh, on the new coach, some of the things that jumped at you, anything you want to talk about. But uh, give us some of the thoughts on the, the coach of the Giants, uh, Coach Judge. I'll be honest with you guys. I cover the NFL, and two weeks ago I had never even heard of Joe Judge. So when John – and this is what I like about John Mara, is that he's pretty transparent for an owner. He said a week ago that, you know uh, – Judge would have been a long shot in the coaching search. But, you know, they kept their uh, eyes and ears open. They liked what they heard. It was hard not to see why if you listen to the press conference. I mean, I thought a couple words that came to mind were commanding. He was he was uh, funny. He was serious. He was insightful. He was no-nonsense. I mean, it was hard not to be impressed with Judge that first day. Um a couple things that would worry me if I'm a worryful Giants fan. Um, one, his coaching staff's going to have to be good. I mean, he needs, in my mind, a former head coach he can rely on and a very savvy quarterback mind. It doesn't have to be the same person. If you want to bring in a Joe Brady to be the offensive quarter, uh, coordinator, that's fine. Then your defensive coordinator has to be a former head coach. If you want to bring in a Jim Caldwell or a Jason Garrett, well, okay, then your defensive coordinator can be Patrick Graham. Like, but you got to have both, in my mind. you got to have both boxes checked. So I'm paying very close attention to who his coordinators are because let's call it what it is. It's cool that he's worked for Belichick and Saban, two great minds that should be encouraging. But on the other side, when you've spent your whole time, all your career there, you have a very limited candidate pool. You have very limited, you know, you don't have that many. Your network isn't that big because you've been in the same place for so long that only, only you've only come across X number of people. So I'll be very interested to see how he fills out his staff. And then uh, the other thing about him is those physical practices he was talking about, those we're going to wear pads every day, we're allowed to wear pads, we're going to cat live tackle. Sounds great to the fans. Sounds great to Gettleman. Sounds great to Mara. It's not going to sound great to 25-year-old guys. It's just not going to. So Belichick gets away with that kind of attitude because he's won Super Bowls. But if you're going to do that, the team will do it as long as you're winning. If you're not winning and they're, you know, they're wrecking their bodies in practice, that's not a great formula. Mm. I mean, let me go off script a little here. Just as a giant fan following the team hard, it seems that maybe the Tish has got a little more involved in this. Is that something that I might be reading a little too much into? Or, you know, this is uh, this is uncharted waters for the great New York football giants, right, to have these four years that they've had. Um, yeah. You know, and now we're essentially three coaches over the last 33 games, if you count uh, McAdoo's last game. So versus the team that, you know, that they kind of think they're parallel with, which is the, you know, they're connected at the hip with the Roonies and the Steelers. 
uh, and at 53 years old, they've had three coaches in my lifetime. So you know that's a bitter pill for them to swallow, or at least we think it is. Um, who knows? With a $5 billion valuation, they could be laughing at all of us, and they just kind of move these pieces around. They appease the fans. But are you sensing that Tish is getting a little more involved? Because as one of our listeners points out to me all the time, this has kind of been a very smooth road in terms of these two families owning this team. I mean, we're pushing, you know, we're 25 plus years. But I, I felt that the Tishes were a little more involved in this. Kind of give me your thoughts on that. I, look, that's what Steve said. Steve said he wanted to be more involved. He said he would be here more. He said he wanted more input. He said, you know, uh, it's not a secret he was less happy than Mara this year. He's less patient than Mara this year. So, um, Steve said he wanted to be more involved, be here more. I didn't get that feeling during the coaching search. I mean, he interviewed everybody by phone. He, when Judge got the interview, he flew up to Rhode Island, I think it was, to meet with him separately than everybody else. So it's, if he really wanted to be, be as involved as he said, or as people are making out to be like, why didn't he just, you know, why didn't he just set up residence here for a week and do the interviews in person with with Mara Abrams, uh, Gettleman, um, Chris Pettit, whoever else was in that room? Why why did he do that? Like I, he kind of to me he handled it exactly the same way he handled the McAdoo and Shermer searches. Like uh, Candace talked to him by by phone and then he met them in person before they hired him. To me, it didn't seem that much different, even though he said it would be different, but. You know, this was the first thing since he said that. This came up right away. I think we'll know more maybe during the season, uh, during training camp, if he's around more. Then we'll see. Then we'll see a change. But he probably already had things scheduled, conflicts that would have been too hard to move around. He's obviously a very busy man, so it would have been hard to move around just to accommodate a coaching search. I think that's more of a jury doubt kind of thing. Ryan, let's go back to Pat Shermer for a second because it seems to me that. I, I don't think this was a secret, but Gettleman did not want to fire Pat Shermer, but obviously he was, I guess, ordered to fire Pat Shermer. So give me an idea in terms of what what sealed Shermer's fate in terms of not getting an extra year. Uh, I think the nine-game losing streak just just sealed his fate. I mean, I think that was it. I mean, look, I'm on the record saying this quite a bit. I'll say it again. Jason Garrett or Freddie Kitchens can be blamed for their teams not being good. Because the rosters are very talented. And when you underachieve, the coach gets the blame. You can look at coaches that their teams aren't very good, and the team is good, and that's when you credit the coach, right? That's when a coach gets a lot of credit. But Doug Peterson for winning a Super Bowl without his starting quarterback, or some of these teams that... (laughs) <laughs> Excuse me. Some of these, Mike Vrabel getting a ton of credit right now because the Titans don't have a lot of stars. So it must and, be the coach. And right? switching his quarterback midseason. Yep. Pat Shermer, to me, didn't really affect the Giants. He didn't make them any better. He didn't make them any worse. Like, they were not a good team. He had a four win roster. He won four games. Like, that's literally what happened. The team was a, one of the worst rosters in the NFL, and they played like one of the worst teams in the NFL. So. To me, do you keep him just for that? I think what in the end they decided that when we do get good, Pat Shermer's not going to be able to take us over the top. They saw some things they didn't like in his game management and his decision-making and his same things fans were angry about. His strange field position call, strange you know uh, 
strange play calls, you know, a little, not as much consistency and thinking, and so they decided to move on. But to me, to blame Pat Shermer for this season is silly because the team wasn't very good. So I don't know what you would, if Pat Shermer won seven games with this roster, I would have nominated him for Coach of the Year. Hmm. Is it fair to say that going into this process that Matt Rule was number one on their list? And if so, is it, does make you scratch your head that they didn't even get a meeting with Matt Rule. So how do you explain that? I definitely believe that. All my sources told me that he was number one on the list. All my sources told me that. And so now Mariners are going to catch some heat for letting Matt Rule go to Cabo, for letting the Panthers get in there first. But you could also say you want to be second, right? You want to know what you're up against. You want to know, look at the Cowboys, right? The, Cow- the Giants went first with Mike McCarthy, and he went to the Cowboys. So there's no rhyme or reason on being first or second. Matt Rule clearly wanted the Giants, because even after he got his monstrous offer from the Panthers, he called the Giants and said, can you match it? So if the Giants were willing to match, he was so... Yes, I think he was their number one choice. Um, how do I explain it? I just think that in the bottom line is, as much money as the Giants have, as much money as the NFL has, it's a very risky proposition to give a guy who's had one year of NFL assistant coaching seven years and $62 million. I mean, that, if that's where coaching is headed, I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that's the money you give John Gruden or that's the money you give Jim Harbaugh. But to give Matt Rule that kind of money is I – I, I could see where the Giants were scared off by that. Um, well, Should they have had the first meeting with him? Yeah, but I think even if they had the first meeting with him, the Panthers owner would have gotten a note to his to his agent that said, "Look, he's I have some numbers. He's going to want to meet with us. Don't let him sign a contract till he meets with us." So the Panthers were that committed to Matt Rule, he was probably going to go there either way. Look, it also speaks to just basic economics, right? You have a guy who made his fortune one way versus a family that's whose grandfather and father kind of built the team, and it's. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of mouths are being fed off the franchise, and that family is the Maras, and this is their war chest. Okay, so Tepper coming in there wanting to make a splash for the minimum amount extra that he pays Matt Rule. Now I know that doesn't translate to the public, but it really is when you look at his net worth. It's not moving the needle as much, and he's he wants to make a sm- a splash higher, and he locks him in the room. And, and as a bunch of people said to me during the week that I spoke to this about. They said, we know what happened. He locked the room and said, this is the offer. If you open the door, you're not getting it. I mean, and that's, that's it. That's not happening with the old guard of the NFL, I don't think. And that's what I, I think you saw. But, but my, my question... He still got to open the door, right? He still got to call the Giants. Yeah, say, but... Can you, match, can, you, can you match this? And if the Giants said yes, they would have. But you can't ma- how do you match it without meeting the guy? The Giants, they didn't even want to interview him. But they were never they matching match him at that level. And, and you know yeah, that. you got to match it before you even get on a plane. Right. The Giants weren't going to do that. So now, look, I do think the fact that they were impressed with Joe Judge helped. If the only people they had interviewed then at, were you know two guys they weren't impressed with, then maybe they would have scrambled and come up with a plan B or tried to get creative with some numbers. But they liked Judge. I think if they interviewed Rule, I think it would have probably still been Rule if the Panthers didn't swoop in. But they had a guy they were comfortable with. So listen, I'll give you credit. You uh, you did call this a four win team at the beginning of the year, and uh, and good call by you. So so I'll uh, I'll open you up here. What are they going to do with the pick? Uh, look, look, as I've told you guys many times before, 
what I would do and what the Giants would do are two very different things, right? Like, I have decided long ago that Dave Gettleman and I will never think alike. So, I'll tell you both. What I think they should do is trade down within the top ten. So, I don't know if it's to seven. I don't know if it's to nine. Find some quarterback team that wants Justin Herbert or Tua, whoever's on the board there, and trade within, you know, trade back to seven, eight, nine, whatever. Um, that's what I would do. What I think they'll do is probably pick the best player available, which will probably be an offensive tackle. It could be Jeff Okuda, the cornerback from Ohio State. I do not like that at all. Like, I think Okuda is a very good player. The last thing I think you can do is add another young corner to the Giants secondary. You, Giants need a Logan Ryan or, uh, uh, what's Bradbury, I think, the guy from Carolina. Like, they need a veteran 20s, late 20s corner who can kind of lead this secondary. They do not need another young corner. So I would say Andrew Thomas or, uh, the guy from the tackle, Jarrell Wills, the tackle from Alabama. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, the tackle from Iowa, that's where I would be looking, especially if I could trade down, because maybe Thomas is gone in the top five picks, but the other two guys will be, you know, later around 10 kind of picks. I think you could get a good tackle in the top 10, pick up another, you know, second or third round pick, maybe both, and build some depth, because really that's what the Giants need. They have so many holes. Ryan, give us your thoughts in terms of what Eli is going to decide to do next year. It's a great question. I think, so look, let's call it what it is, right? Tampering happened. Okay? We know this, right? The the first time free agents and team speak is not March 14th. So I think if somebody got Eli Manning a note that said, hey, you're going to get a legitimate chance to be our starting quarterback next season. We're not going to promise you the job, but it's going to be a fair and open competition between you and Mitch Trubisky, or between you and Andy Dalton, or between whatever. I really genuinely think Eli Manning would go there. I do think that he doesn't like the way this year went. I think he would. He believes he can still play. If it was, and I'm not saying he'd go to some, or some team that stinks just to keep playing football. If there was a team like the Bears who said, look, we have a good team. We don't know what we're doing at quarterback. Come in. If you beat out Mitch, maybe you're the guy who puts us over the top. I think he would do that. The problem is I don't think that the rest of the NFL sees Eli Manning that way anymore. So I think he'll probably retire. I think, I think he'll put out his feelers. I think he'll find out that no one's really willing to give him anything more than, you know, a backup job with maybe a chance to start if the other guy struggles. And in that case, he's not going to be the Giants' backup quarterback. He's certainly not going to be anybody else's backup quarterback. I think he'll probably retire. Ryan, my prediction is within three months, Eli Manning is at Brooks Brothers in the Short Hills Mall getting himself a bunch of suits for some sort of pregame show, and he's not going anywhere. That's my prediction. Do you think he'll be on TV? I don't know if he'll be on TV, but uh, I think the shoulder pads have come off for the last time. But listen, we really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for joining the Com Master Show. Always like having you on, and uh, we'll get you on around the draft. I appreciate it. Sounds good, guys. Thanks Thanks a lot. Congratulations on the new gig. Thanks. You got it. There you go. Yeah, got some pretty good insight there. Yeah. This whole thing with Matt Rule was kind of interesting that uh, they really never got a chance to sit down and 
talk to him. He goes to Carolina. You guys know David Tepper more than I know David Tepper, but I would, well, he obviously he obviously thought that this Joe thing, knows him personally. Yeah, yeah but we this, know of him. <laughs> that he doesn't this, text you like two minutes before the Fed. No, <laughs> but it's kind of an interesting situation because people in the NFL seem to think that David Tepper is going to be kind of like this analytical new wave kind of a kind of an owner based on his background. And he made a decision that this is the guy I want to run my organization. 